Good Monday morning. I am so excited to be back with you and I hope that you have had an amazing weekend with at least a little bit of fun and play worked in or at least some time for some self-love and reflection if you did choose to put in some work as well. I took a lot of time for um balance actually it was uh, one of those weekends where everything just clicked i got to spend some time with friends last night celebrating a friend's birthday my husband and i enjoyed a five mile hike out in um, nature preserves which were just amazing and there were new trails which was a total gift um and i got some really amazing work done including um, getting some terrific, terrific and really exciting, deep, fresh uh, interviews booked for you, um, which I hope we will have the first interviews towards the end of this week, if all goes according to plan. So really excited about that. Um, I have several threads out there in the universe, and they have been blowing up with some really incredible submissions from women all over the country um, with just some really, really deep, vulnerable, meaningful, and absolutely actionable takeaways for you. So I really can't wait to bring those to you. But today... Before we go really too deep into this podcast and this show as a whole, I wanted to kind of uh, crack my own nut open a little bit for you here and let you into my own story of uh, how I went through an extreme period of burnout not too long ago, how I managed to recognize and deal with it, and how that became the real starting point of the journey that led me here to create the Wildly Creative Women community, Facebook group, podcast, and of course, the membership site, which I am bringing to you next month in September. I am so excited. I got tons of goodies uploaded this weekend to the site and lots more all week. Every day this week, I will be uploading uh, more and more uh, goodies, bonuses, workbooks, courses, um, the first of which is From Burnout to Bliss, How to Fall Back in Love with Your Business Again. And of course, uh, because I have just gone through my own journey uh, from burnout to bliss, that is why I am making From Burnout to Bliss the premier signature course of the new membership site for wildly creative women. So before we dive into everything that I've got for you today, I just want to give you this opportunity to take a breath and set your intention for this time that we're going to spend together this morning. It won't be very long, but this is time that you've carved out for yourself already. So make sure that you're taking the time to really be here, be present, lock in, and let's do this thing. I'm not into hustle culture at all. I've escaped it. I hope you have too. And if not, I hope I can show you the way. But 
as you might expect them to say in some broed out hustle culture way. Let's get this bliss, sis. Okay, let's go. It's Monday morning. You're listening to the Wildly Creative Women podcast, your daily dose of inspiration, creativity prompts, affirmation, rare stories of transformation and triumph you won't hear anywhere else. And yes, even mini audio courses filled with actionable advice from yours truly that you can't get anywhere else in order to help you find your voice and embrace your wildly creative heart as a woman and as a business owner. If you have ever dreamed of scaling your business, build on your creations without sacrificing your personal life or your sanity, you have definitely come to the right place, sister. If you've ever questioned if now is the time to scale up or perhaps even step away from it all, you're definitely in the right place. If you've ever suffered from burnout and you need some place to go for a daily dose of just peace and sisterhood and stories that are just for you, well, yes, you're still in the right place. So grab a snack, something to take notes, hopefully grab a cozy corner where you can just relax and be with us and then get ready because now we're going to scale your passions with Serenity Sister and grow together through the Wildly Creative Women podcast. So although I'll be honest, it makes me extremely uncomfortable at times to open up about myself. I push myself to do it Uh, not only because it's appropriate in instances like this, where you may be just meeting me, so to speak, or coming across my content for the very first time and perhaps have no idea who I am or what I'm doing here. (laughs) Um, But also, I think it's important to set an example for who and what I um, ask my audience to be. I don't ever want to request something of you that I wouldn't do on my own. So uh, in an effort to lead by example on this Monday morning, I'm going to push through the edges, as we say sometimes in this culture, and uh, open up a little bit here and give you a little bit of background about me and what we're doing here in the first place. (laughs) So uh, as I said, a major theme of the interviews uh, that we have coming up for you in this podcast will be about recognizing and healing from burnout. I was built for burnout pretty much from childhood. I grew up in upstate New York in a very rural farming, um, primarily farming, hunting community about two hours north of the city, um, bordering Connecticut and Massachusetts. So famous points of the Hudson Valley uh, would be, you know, your Rhinebeck, High Park, where the Roosevelt's were, that was right by us. 
maybe Poughkeepsie. So um, shout out to anyone from home that might be listening. I would love to hear from you. I'm homesick as hell. <laughs> and uh, anyone that maybe has been there, I'd love to hear from you too, living in Florida as I do these days. Um, there's plenty of opportunities, especially as we're leading into fall for me to be homesick. So I jump at any chance I get to talk about all things Hudson Valley, but the culture of that area, um, as you, I'm sure have already heard about New York in general is hustle culture. It is extremely competitive. It is go, 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 go. Um, recurring themes that are drilled into us from the time that we're very, very young up there are extremely competitive, very killer instinct, um, be the best or don't get out of bed in the morning kind of stuff. So you might say that I was hardwired to burn myself out, uh, from childhood in a way. And Interestingly, in the last couple of years in this journey, one tidbit of information that I learned, uh, and this is a great example of why it's so important to understand your background and your history and where you come from, not to mention the history of where you come from, right? So the hustle culture that exists in New York and the surrounding area that bleeds out of it uh, hasn't always actually been there. It's a byproduct of the industrial revolution and um, factories essentially and there were a few different shifts that happened in one particular period that all of a sudden drove factory owners to start kind of mentally incentivizing uh, the workers that you know those that wanted to be here those that cared about their job would work longer work harder work more days you know on and on and on and that stuck and then bled out into the surrounding areas and became a real ethos of the culture that if you weren't the best, if you weren't working the hardest, you weren't anything a lot of the time, honestly. And I used to joke about this when I first moved to Florida for years, but in the last couple um, of years since I've started this journey, I've kind of taken a step back and realized that when I used to tell this joke about how in the Northeast, you know, people ask you how you are and or what's going on with you, you know, in a casual way. And often the first thing you'll hear out of their mouth is how many hours they put in that week. That's a typical response. Like, oh, I got my, I got like 80 hours in this week. Oh yeah, no, no, I have like 95. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I've only been pulling like 70 hours. And it, if you weren't working over a hundred hours, you didn't want it. You didn't care. I was working hundred hour weeks as a teenager and pulling straight A's like, and that was normal, <laughs> you know? So I was pretty much engineered to drive myself into brick burnout walls in a sense. Um, so it, it's really no surprise <laughs> that I, spent my entire life in this cycle of kind of revving up and being in these extremely high producing cycles and then crashing where I just, I couldn't produce anything. Usually I became extremely sick. Um, and I'm not the kind of person that gets, I don't get your average cold and stuff. Like I could go years, nine months, whatever, like without getting sick. 
Um, knock on wood, I, you know, I never got COVID. I, I, I just don't get typical everyday illnesses. But when I do get sick, it's usually from stress, from burnout, from something. And I get extremely sick. It is not uncommon for me to be hospitalized, even for periods of a time. Um, so I spent my entire life in these brutal cycles of, of burnout and recovery and re like revving up and crashing and revving up and crashing almost the way you would hear somebody that struggles with, um, bipolar or something, uh, might describe kind of the cycles. And for a while there were periods when I questioned whether or not that was something that I was actually experiencing. But now that I have a lot more clarity on myself, my life, my history, my own behaviors, and my own psychoses, so to speak, um, I have more clarity to realize that, you know, this wasn't me being crazy. This is just, I'm a creative and creatives function and operate differently. And when driven to perform in a boxed, like mass production incentivized scale that way, that's, that's just never going to be a recipe for long-term success. I don't know if any of you saw that documentary about um, LuLaRoe. It was, I want to say a three-parter, I believe on Hulu, um, but I'm not totally sure. It was, oh my gosh, it was so good. And I'm such a junkie for uh, like true crime documentaries, like business things like the fire festival and like, all that kind of stuff. I'm such a junkie for that because my husband tells me that I can't watch Dateline anymore because I have too many nightmares. <laughs> I've like, I've gone away from the, all of my like murder, true crime stuff and watching Discovery ID all day to sometimes just binging like white collar crimes now because they're not as terrifying, I guess. Um, but anyway, so actually if you are, if you're a true crime fan, business, white collar, blue collar, whatever, crime is crime, right? Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know in the comments, shout me out, drop me a line. Um, uh, let's talk about it together. <laughs> um, but my point being that, uh, I was a creative that wasn't being allowed to operate under creative freedom. And one of the things that happened to LuLaRoe is because they positioned themselves to be so strongly financially incentivized to create content, which for them, the content was the prints on their leggings and stuff like that. Um, the artists that they had creating these graphics and these prints were put under way too much pressure to produce quality work. They were like sweatshop artists pretty much, just like I was in the beginning of my freelance career writing for a content mill, um, which at the time was the only alternative to sites like Upwork and stuff, which I was never gonna subject myself to. If that's something you do, you know, I no judgment or anything, um, but I just am not someone that could handle spending my time, my energy, and my mental capacity constantly pitch, 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 pitching myself against hundreds or thousands or dozens of other people 
just to be ignored all the time. I was not in a place where I could withstand that. Um, and especially not for that amount of pay. Whereas content mills, yeah, they pay you pennies a word and stuff like that. But I always had work. Uh, I was able to build up a regular client base and a steady stream of income that way. It might not have been getting paid what I was necessarily worth. And maybe it is on a certain level what I was worth in the very beginning when I was first learning how to produce lucrative SEO-based content. Um, however, it just, after a certain point, when you start to place all of the incentive around creative output on a financial point like that, and then start applying pressure as you scale it more and more, you're, unless you, you know, just pour nothing but everything you have into your artist team and nourishing the fuck out of them <laughs> and just taking care of them, you're going to collapse. And if you are the artist and the entrepreneur in your business, guess what? You're going to do what I did. You're going to collapse. And that's pretty much where and how I got to my own point of burnout. Um, one of the main reasons where and how I found myself not too long ago at a point of extreme burnout in my business. So to set the scene for you a little bit, um, I actually have been a serial entrepreneur pretty much my whole life. I, I say it's in my DNA. Um, it's been, you know, in my family, whether through being farmers or having various other businesses, uh, for generations and generations. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> I actually started my first business, um, my first in a series of childhood businesses at four years old, we had, uh, gardens in the summertime and I recognized, this summer that I was for, I guess, that we had more than we could eat, the five of us, my parents, my oldest sister, Stephanie, who was 12 years older, my uh, other older sister, Sonia, who was 10 years older than me, and myself, it was just five of us. And we had these massive gardens just filled with food. And I had the ability to recognize that my parents were maybe not struggling to put food on the table, but struggling to keep the electric on. Okay. So at four, I with along with my eldest sister, Stephanie, who also definitely had the entrepreneurial bug, uh, opened up instead of a lemonade stand, a vegetable stand. And Stephanie helped me go to the local market. She walked me there and told me to approach the owner or manager. I'm not sure which one it was of the local market and request to be able to get their leftover or any extra cardboard produce packaging they had. And they would sell it to me and let me pick it up. And then I'd walk it home and set up my stand and, you know, the whole thing. Um, and from there, I was involved in lots of projects like that, school stores and different fundraising things all throughout school. I always had a hunger to be involved in any and all things business, profit, monetization, strategy, customer service, all of it. Um, so fast forward through a lot of shit um, when I am 
in my early 20s, about 22 years old, actually, um, I woke up one day to the phone call that my oldest sister, Stephanie, and mind you, my sisters were my first heroes that I ever knew in my life. They were my best friends. They were pseudo moms. They were everything. They were the ones that showed me the world and showed me how to interact with the world and told me what my place would likely be if I didn't take charge of it. And for that, I need a sip of coffee. That one was invaluable. So, mm, um, so when I was 22, I woke up to a phone call, um, of my mom screaming that my sister, Stephanie had ultimately lost her battle with depression and had taken her life. And that changed the trajectory of my course um, massively. I went from being the baby of the family to having to step into her role, um, which essentially had just only just recently, four months before, really become sort of a matriarchal kind of role in the family. My uh, father's mother, my grandmother had passed just a few months before that ultimately part of what I think broke my sister's heart. Um, and everyone was kind of learning or looking to Stephanie to step up and, and be the, the next strong leader in the line. Uh, but she just didn't have enough support, um, and tools in order to cope with what she had on her plate at that time. So, um, that absolutely changed the trajectory of my course and was one of several major events of similar magnitude in my early 20s that gave me tremendous perspective and pushed me into more and more solitude, which it sometimes brought a lot of darkness, but at other times, like the last few years, empowered a whole new voice of self-reflection and opened a really wide channel of self-awareness and emotional growth, healing, peace, (laughs) all of all the good things, right? Um, So, but it wasn't, you know, too long ago that I woke up one day and to set the scene, I am booked out for about a year I'm newly engaged. I am in escrow on my first house for my husband and I. He cannot work because of COVID and everything is financially dependent on me and everything I've built. And on paper and by all appearances, my business at the time, which was a uh, content marketing and copywriting agency, uh, which ghost produced just massive amounts of content, Um, but was primarily, you know, a one woman show because people wanted every, they didn't want something. They didn't want content from someone I had hired and trained. They wanted me. So that obviously created a brutal bottleneck. Uh, one of the major, major problems with, for me, one-on-one, uh, service providing, whether you're a coach or a painter or, you know, um, a stylist of any kind, I don't care what kind of service it is, a plumber, an electrician, uh, you know, whatever. Um, 
the one-to-one model, especially if people are after you as the, you know, star of the business, if you are the name face, if they're always after you and the right barriers and systems are not in place for that, it's going to be a, a headache for you if you have visions of actually scaling your impact. If you're cool with staying one-to-one and trying to have really deep, deep, deep impacts with just a small handful of people, if that lights you up inside, that's phenomenal. You know, maybe scaling for you is 20 people total ever that you, that never, ever, ever, ever could have gotten to where they were if you hadn't spent immense amounts of time with them. Like maybe that's what scaling is for you. And throughout all of our time together, I'm going to constantly, constantly remind you that you should not be setting your standards based on any other person's standards. Your standards are yours and yours alone. They are based on your experiences and your own relationship with your integrity. Okay? So your standards come completely from you. So I had built this agency. I'm booked out. I'm taking now... I went from taking, you know, a few hundred dollar orders on a regular basis and sometimes, you know, a few thousand to then, you know, the occasional five figure order to now the five figure orders are coming in. And the cycle is, and this is passively, by the way, I never did paid advertising. I was all organic all the way and everything that I taught was organic. And that was why people bought into me because I could eliminate their, uh, paid advertising expenses with my organic strategies. You know, I would have, for example, um, I had one builder that I was able to save them like 20 plus thousand dollars a month in just their billboard advertising in a select market uh, with what I was able to do with with a small handful of blogs, you know? So (laughs) I was all about organic and still am in a lot of ways. I, I, in fact, I never really learned a lot of the like intimate back side of Facebook advertising. You'll never see me teach a class about the Facebook ads platform. You know, I might bring somebody in here. In fact, if you know how to teach one of those classes, hit me up. Maybe I'll have you in the group or on the podcast or the YouTube channel or something and let's do it. I'm all about the collab and the coffee, right? So Uh, so I'm running my mouth about organic and I'm all booked out that way. And that's wonderful, except for the fact that every time I make one of these sales, it's almost, it's almost like going on a bender in a way over something you celebrate, you know, like your 30th birthday or something, you know, where you book a girl's trip for the weekend and you go and you're drinking the mimosas and you're drinking the martinis and you're, you know, and then the rum punches with like one thing after another, after another, after another and Tito's. (laughs) Right. So, and then afterwards it's like four days of hell of like what just happened. So I would make these sales, you know, they would, people were basically like banging down my door to try to hand me money. And you have to understand for a small town girl that had spent most of her twenties making 
$20,000 a year, $8,000. I lived in my car at one point for a while. Like I was not used to having any kind of money, which was the main part of my limiting beliefs in the financial area. I had them everywhere, but my financial limiting beliefs were just, ooh, they were brutal. And in some ways that was a superpower because let me tell you, if there is one thing that living in your car will teach you, it is the true root and difference between what you want and what you need in this life. If I have water, if I have food, and if I can take a shower and brush my teeth, I'm good. <laughs> like I am, that's, I'm good. I can figure all the rest out. Uh, so, uh, by the time I've got people emailing me, calling me and stuff like, please let me pay you $30,000 to do this thing for me or whatever, you know, that's fucking mind blowing. And there's, and, and talk about imposter syndrome and stuff. There were just so many moments and levels of that, that on one hand, I'd go from being like, fuck yeah, I'm a badass. Like, look at me cashing these checks. I can't believe like people want my writing. They want my words. They want my voice. Hell yeah. You know, partying it up. And the next minute being like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Can I do this? I can't believe people pay me like this to do this. Is this like, what's happening here? You know? So it was this brutal, brutal roller coaster. And when I tell you that there were times, I, I mean, I would take jobs that I didn't hate them, but I wasn't, and they, you know, they weren't bad people or anything like that. I always vetted my clients because I knew the power of my work and I knew that I would bring traffic to anyone I worked with. So I had to, for my own ability to sleep at night, I had to always vet my clients and make sure to the best of my ability within reason that I wasn't going to bring a whole bunch of traffic to a poisonous voice that was going to go out there and spew hatred or create harm. I, you know, so I do the best that I can to do that. And for anyone that is in uh, perhaps the content writing, copywriting, freelancing space in a way that you do give voice to people or provide traffic or anything like that, I do really want to encourage you to not just vet the people that you're working with to see if they're your ideal client and if you'll enjoy working together and if you can help them, but ask yourself, is this somebody that I should be elevating out there? Could I be causing more harm in terms of impact by doing this than any good I could ever do. And that's really possible. And I don't want to paralyze you with it, but at least you should be able to go to sleep at night, knowing that you're doing some level of due diligence to at least ask the questions during your discovery calls or do a little, have an admin, an apprentice, a VA. Uh, I'll give you strategies about all of these uh, onboarding and all of that kind of stuff with scaling your team at some point. Uh, that's a topic for a lot of topics for another day. Um, but you should be having it at the bare minimum, a conversation and trying to sniff out 
the intent of who you're working with and, and not just right now and what they're doing right now, but like, is this one small business that's part of an evil empire? You know what I mean? So just ask yourself the questions and pay attention. It, it doesn't some, a lot of times it doesn't take more than 90 seconds of scrolling through somebody's Facebook or LinkedIn profile to find out if they're evil or not. So <laughs> I encourage you to take the time to do that. So I'm, I'm waking up to these checks and more and more and more now I'm, it's probably July. Okay. Of, I want, of 2020, right. I got married in 2020. Yeah. So, um, I'm in escrow and, and granted this is full blown COVID. This is full summer of co first full summer of COVID. So government buildings are not operational property like properly banks are like staff is crazy irs is crazy when i tell you that my <laughs> my process of closing on my home was like 0.00001% nightmare kind of scenarios of everything that could go wrong and a transaction went wrong in a lot of ways to no fault of my realtor he was absolutely a savior in the situation above and beyond. But um, it was just one of those things where it was like, whatever could go wrong was going wrong. So it's July. I've got that going on, which to be honest, is legit taking up maybe 40 plus hours a week of just phone calls and paperwork and running around constantly with underwriting. So I've got that going on. I'm about a month out from my wedding, which I had no planning to do. And it was not in the same state. It was somewhere I had never been before. I had lost three previous weddings worth of deposits, including our entire European honeymoon that we were planning in the COVID situation. So to paint a picture for you, I'm fried. <laughs> I am a shell of the woman that I was at this point. And I had so much client work on my plate that I had taken in the winter, in the spring that I was running behind on now. And there was all kinds of shit going on that I had actually pushed myself into this corner where I, even if I wanted, like I couldn't ethically take another single order from anyone. I had people waiting for content. And when I tell you that I couldn't bring myself to produce under, like I, I suddenly found myself unable to get out of bed. I couldn't eat. All I wanted to do was any form of escapism, whether it was drinking or indulging my savior complex and constantly offering to help people with shit. So I didn't have to pay attention to my own shit or, um, you know, exercising or whatever it was of the moment I was throwing myself, you know, face first into escapism. And I, that was about all I could tolerate. I, my, my senses were blown. My mind was blown. My emotions were blown. And I just was not in a place where I could ethically create what my clients deserved. And ultimately I did end up having to call um, everyone and, and put delays on the orders and issue refunds and partial refunds and bonuses and like all kinds of stuff. So things got pretty, 
pretty hairy and really dark, um, especially following when we actually did get married on September 2nd of that year and had just closed on the house. The bank account got completely wiped out on everything and things were looking darker than ever. I'm going to let you go for now because I don't want to keep you for too long from everything that you have waiting for you on this amazing Monday, but make sure you come back tomorrow for part two of my story from burnout to bliss. You will not want to miss this one, sis. How do you feel sister? Have you had any shifts? Don't forget, the conversation really continues and heats up inside the Wildly Creative Women Facebook group. And I would love to tackle any questions you have about today's show in there, alongside the growing sisterhood of Wildly Creative Women supporting one another and sharing their stories of triumph and tragedy through their creative pursuits. If you have taken anything at all out of today's episode, it would mean the world to me to have you subscribe, like, and share. I love you so much for being here, and I'll talk to you soon.